Um, I have some letters I found um, from kids that they wrote to Santa. You guys want to hear these? These are pretty cute. Um, Dear Santa, you didn't bring me anything good last year. In fact, you didn't bring me anything good the year before. This is your last chance. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Uh, Sounds like my kids. Anyway, um, dear Santa, there are three little boys that live in our house. There's Jeffrey, who is two. There's David, who is four. And there's Norman, he is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. Norman is good all the time. I am Norman. Uh (laughs) Here's another one. Dear Santa, please give me a doll this year. I would like her to eat, walk, do my homework, and clean my room. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, Dear Santa, uh, thanks for the race car last year. Can I have another one? Only this time, I want one that is faster than my best friend's car down the street. Dear Santa, could you please come early this year? I've been really super good, but I don't know if I can last much longer. Please hurry. <laughs> Aren't those cute? Those are good. Amen. We know, we know Christmas is not just not about Santa. It's about Jesus. Amen. And, uh, um, and what he brings. And in the midst of all the shopping, the fun, uh, uh, the food and family, uh, all the gifts. It's, Christmas is really about Jesus, and uh, and I want to encourage you to focus on Him, even in the midst of all this, to do that because He focused on you, right? The reason for why we celebrate Christmas is because God focused on you. He sent His only Son, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that He sent His only Son to this world so that we might be saved. He so loved you and I that he sent his son. And Jesus came as an offering of love to you and I. And everything that the love of God touches, it transforms. You know that? See, God's love is so important. And we've been we've singing about the love of God. It is so important for you and I to not only know that he loves us not in our head, but to experience the love of God. Christmas is all about us experiencing his love. God's love is preeminent. It's a superior source of power. The word preeminent means standing above all things. Standing above all things. Uh, it means undoubted superiority. God is love. In 1 John chapter 4, John says, God is love. You cannot separate love from God. God is always acting in love. He is always purposeful, loving people. No matter what it is, it's all about the love of God. Love is superior to any force in the universe. Why? Because it's God. God is love, and we need to understand that love. And everything must give an account to the superior force of love. That's why God's love must be deployed and developed in your life, and it must be active in your life, and must be cultivated in your life. We need to have that cultivated in our life. That's why Paul talks about love. You can turn to your, your, in your Bible to Second Corinthians. I'm excuse me, First Corinthians chapter thirteen. You can follow along with us on our app if you want to. If you don't have our app, download it and search for Cornerstone KC, and you can get it. Paul says this about love. First Corinthians thirteen is a love chapter, verse one. He talks about a lot of the power gifts here. And look what he says here. He says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have a prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, that's pretty incredible things there, but have not loved, I am nothing. If I give all I have away, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not loved, I gain nothing. He's saying, listen, you can do all those things, all those things are great. But if you're not doing it out of the love of God, if you don't have the love of God operating in your life, you are doing it, it's wrong, and you're gaining nothing. You're not doing anything. Then he goes in and tells us what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Or one version says never ends. You know, we don't really understand that type of love a lot of times in our lives, especially in the Western world and in America, especially if you speak English. You only have one word for love, and that's love. And we use it... and. For everything. I, I love my candy. I love my car. I love my dog. And I love my spouse. And I love God. You know, and so we're very confused on, on the idea of love. We don't really understand it fully at all. And, uh, and we need to understand that. Love is, is not selfish. It's not, it's not looking towards us. And a lot of times our love is, is really can be a lot of selfishness, right? I love you, but do you really love me? That's what our love says. God's love simply says, I love you. There's no buts. There's no waiting. There's no, nothing else. I love you. Our love is wanting something back. Our love is wanting something in return. Our love is wanting something else. You know, it's, it's, it's conditional. Our love is very conditional. But God's love is totally different. That's the love that we're supposed to have. That's the love we're supposed to receive from the Lord. That's the love we're supposed to walk in. It's not conditional. It is, I love you. It's, it's, it's a superior force. It's preeminent. It's above everything. And everything is connected to that force of love. And so until love is really cultivated, that God love cultivated in our life, nothing in our lives will operate to its fullest potential. We need to cultivate this kind of love. This is where lives will be changed. This is where America is going to be changed. This is where this world is going to be changed because we understand the love of God. Now, the love of God does something. You know, Jesus came not just to say he loved us. He showed us love, right? He, was, he, he walked love out. I mean, when he was on the cross and nailed to that cross, he looks down to the people who nailed him there, who put him there and says, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. That was love. He could have called fire down from heaven. He could have called lightning rod, you know, rods coming down. That's probably what I would have done. But, but he didn't do that. He loved. His love is completely different. Love does a lot of things. Love gives, it, it prefers, it sacrifices. It, love obeys, you know, obeys the word of God. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Love, love is obedient to the Father. Love, love confronts. It confronts sin. In fact, the only way to confront sin is if you really love somebody. Because love doesn't confront to put you down or to condemn you. Love confronts and says, hey, there's a better way. Come on, you're going the wrong direction, Right? So men, when, you're, when your wife tells you you're going the wrong way, it's out of love, right? right? Look to your, your spouse and say, thank you. Amen? 
But we need to cultivate the love of God in our lives. Remember what we said a few months ago, we were talking about what you behold, you'll become. What you behold, you'll become. If God is love, then if I behold him, and I love that last part of worship, we were beholding God and his love. That's what you're doing. Now, some, some of us might, might have been really engaged in it, but some of us might have been, well, you know, come on, let's, let's, let's get on to the next words. Worship is not about the words. Worship is about engaging in his spirit. It's about singing out a new song in your own heart. It's about a love letter to the Lord, right? And engaging in that. And you behold him and you start worshiping him. And you start cultivating this love. When you behold him, you'll become him. And if God is love, when I behold him, I spend my time gazing into his eyes, gazing into his presence. And I'm cultivating that love. When I pray, when I read his word, when I get to know him, I receive his love. You love God not because you have the capacity to love God. You love God because he loved you first. He is the example of love. I, I love him because I realize how much he loves me. You, he loves you. You've got to get that in your life. You've got to understand that in your life before you're going to do anything for the, for the Lord, before you're going to do anything in your life, before you're going to see the change, the prayers that you want to see happen is that you have to understand how much he loves you and he cares for you. I had one guy come up to me one time. I was talking on love a number, number of years ago. And, uh, and he, was, he was saying, I'm, I'm just tired of just hearing about the love of God. Won't you talk about the wrath of God? I'll say, okay. Most people want to talk about the wrath of God when it's talking about somebody else. Right? I said, so let's talk about the wrath of God. How are you perfect? Do you want to go there? I definitely knew this guy. I had been counseling with him and his spouse. I definitely know his faults. So it was a wrong time for him to come and say that to me. And uh, I said, listen, God loves you. The love of God, even in the wrath of God, there's love. Even in the judgment of God, there's love. Let's, let's take Genesis. When Adam and Eve had sinned, a lot of times we think that God drop kicked them out of out of uh out of eden right we think that's that's it was the wrath god was angry and mad you stupid people i made you i did all this and i'm going to kick you out but we don't realize that was love he didn't do it that way by the way it was a mercy of god that he put them out of eden this is why because they were now in sin but there was another tree in the garden called the tree of life. And God had mercy on man not to continue to eat from the tree of life in sin, dying all the time but rising up again, dying and rising up and living in that sin. It was a mercy of God. A lot of times we think the flood was just the judgment of God. It was the love of God that God brought the flood. Because if God didn't bring the flood, there would be no righteous bloodline to bring about Jesus. There is only one man, is Noah. See, God, everything that God does is out of love. Now, we don't do everything out of love. We do things out of hate. We do things out of, out of uh, anger, right? God does everything out of, because he is love. 
He's perfect in his love. And without love, without cultivating that love, nothing works in our life. See, love is the battery that enables your faith to work properly. See, in Galatians chapter 5 or 6, it talks about how faith is expressed by and works through love. And just as the word of God carries the faith of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The love of God is what carries his anointing and his power. When love is expressed by God, transformation happens. When love, that type of love, changes us and we express it out, it can change your situation, it can change your circumstances, it can change everything around you, it changes the whole, whole uh, atmosphere that you're in. Because love is preeminence. Everything must bow to the love of God. And so when you walk in the love of God, the love of sin and death is powerless against you. You have nothing to worry about. You have nothing to fear. When we start to cultivate the love of God, and I'm not perfect at this, trust me, you can ask my wife, but when we cultivate the love of God, I have to begin to realize when worry and fear come into my life, I'm not living and cultivating in the love of God. I'm allowing fear and worry to come at me, and I'm dwelling on those things because I don't believe God loves me enough to take care of me. See, we need to cultivate that love and, and dwell in that love. And so if you're ever in fear and worry, you've got to realize, man, I need to get into the presence of God. I need to receive the love of God, that love that, lo- that love that he has for me. Fear can't enter into your life when love is perfected in you. That's why we need to cultivate that love. It's so important that you understand the love of God. How you love others around you will tell you the level of the love of God that you operate in. And so that's why Jesus came. Jesus became our model. Jesus became flesh. Love became flesh and became an example for us. He showed us how to love. That's the reason that Jesus came. John 1, 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one, the only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus became a human being to let us know that he understands what we go through, that he went through the same thing. He he identifies with us the struggle that we have to live in a fallen world where the devil's our enemy, And even though you're not perfect, he still loves you. He identifies with us. He became love. It wasn't that he's from heaven just saying, I love you. And he could have just done that. But he chose to come down and to demonstrate his love for us. See, love is always action, right? Love is not saying, I just love you. Love is action. And so that he demonstrated that love for us so we could follow in his first step, so we could receive the love he has for us. He became a man to identify with man, to take on humanity's place at the cross. So we serve a God who created humanity, who wept when humanity fell in sin, who became our humanity and is redeeming humanity. And that's why he is God. Jesus is God. He is fully God and yet fully man. Why 1 John 4, 9 says this, By this the love of God was revealed in us, that God has sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. 
Not through our own ability, not through our own understanding, but we live through Jesus. This is what Christmas is all about. I live through him. Everything that I have is through him. He loved me first, and I can, I can have the love of God and dwell in that love and receive the love of God for my life. He came because of his great love for us, to identify with us, to die for us, and to give us who he is you know what? He came to be known. He wants you to know him. And this is what he wants to do. He wants us to know him. That's why in, in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, you can turn there. This is really the Christmas message. And I, I love this when I'm reading uh, the book of Luke. I love when you come up onto this scripture, how Jesus, I think, gets really excited to read this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recover sight to to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus came to be known because he is love. The way we come to the Father is not because he's angry at us, not because he's pointing out the bad things. We come to the Father because of his love. It draws us because we want to know him. Just, just think of that. If you, if, if, how many guys have gone to Christmas parties uh, throughout this season yet? I mean, you go there. Is there someone there that you know that doesn't like you? But you know there's someone there that you know likes you. Who do you go to first and hang out with? You stay far away from the person who you know doesn't like you, right? You don't want to be around them. And just listen, I know we're in church. We need to be truthful here, right? You don't want to be around them. You're going to go to the person that likes you, right? You're going to go to that person and hang out with that person. See, God loves you. And one of the things the enemy that wants to do is to say God hates you. He's mad at you because he wants you to stay away because he knows if you start coming into the presence of God and realizing how much he loves you, he will never get you back. He can never come and bring fear and worry to you because you know that God loves you. And here Jesus, he wants you to know him. And in this verse, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know that he came to bring good news to you. He says, I come to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. Now that poor is not financially poor here. That poor means helpless. That poor means powerless. The people are powerless to accomplish an end regarding their spirit. We are all poor in this way we can't make it to god in our own strength we can't do it in our in of ourselves so the good news is i come jesus came to do it for you i'm preaching to you i'm giving you the good news jesus is that you don't have to do it anymore we look down from heaven and we we saw that you cannot do it so we're going to do it for you that's love i'm going to come in your place and i'm going to do it for you I'm going to live the perfect life. I'm going to die for your sin. I'm going to take your sin upon myself. And even though I've never sinned, I'm going to take it on myself so you can know me. Wow. So you can just, you can know me. 
so you can know my love, so you can know what I have for you. You can know the power I want to give you. You can know everything I've done for you. I want you to know me. So I'm going to do this all for you. I'm going to leave my place in heaven. I'm going to become a man. I'm going to live perfectly. I'm going to do it right this time. And I'm going to take all your sin, past, present, and future, on myself. I'm going to take the punishment for your sin so that you could know me. So I can be friends with you. So I can adopt you as a son and a daughter. That's the love of God. He did that. So you and I, he, you and I can have a relationship with him. That's why he, he took this verse in Luke chapter 4 and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to heal the brokenness in your life that sin has caused. He has come to proclaim liberty to the captives. He wants you to be set free from sin. He wants to recover sight of the blind. He wants to bring even healing to your bodies. He wants to set liberty to those who are oppressed by the enemy, who are struggling with their emotions, who are struggling with the pains. He's come to set you free. That's what love does. When we receive that love, we have nothing to fear, nothing to worry. Then he says to set liberty, I mean to to release those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I love this part. You and I are very fortunate to live in this time, to live in the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what this means. It's the day of God's grace. It's really the time of opportunity. For over 2,000 years has been the year of the acceptable year of the Lord. Where not only that we receive salvation It's an opportunity now to live by faith and to receive all the love of God. God is calling us today, offering you the opportunity to not only receive forgiveness and salvation, but to receive all that he has for you. So this Christmas is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to dwell in the love of the Lord, to receive the free gift, not only of eternal life, but the gift that he brings to us as sons and daughters, that abundant life of God. His heart is for us to receive all that he came to do, to bring us life, to bring us healing, to bring us love, to bring us joy, to bring us peace. Everything that we sing about in the Christmas songs, you know, these carols that we all love, it's an opportunity not just for you to receive it just for the season, but to you, for it to be a foundational part of your life, to receive the love of God. This is the time of opportunity. And as we're in Advent, he's come to bring you his love. To fill you up with his love. To let you know how great his love is for you. For you to set in his presence. just like what we're doing in the end of worship. And to realize, 
man, you really do love me, God. You really are, are all about me. You gave everything for me. And I think us as believers sometimes, we forget that. We, we think we have to move on for that. No, no, you, this is where you stay. This is where you, what you, you live in this love. You don't leave this love. And God wants you to have that. He's not here to condemn you. He's here to build you up. He's here to give you all that he has. He's here to let you know that there is peace for you. Nothing missing, nothing broken. He's here to bring you joy in the midst of maybe hardships. But he's here to bring you joy. He's here to love on you. He's here to give you a hug, you know. He's here to let you know that you're not alone. He's here to let you know that there is a future for you. There is something greater for you tomorrow, right? He wants you to come into this place and and receive all that he has. He is for you and not against you. This is the Christmas message. This is what he wants you to know, that he loves you. And he wants you to stop looking at your past. He wants you to stop looking at your failures and at your mistakes. And he wants you just to gaze into his eyes and to receive his love and to see how he sees you. It's a time of opportunity. Let's take that opportunity right now. Amen? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to focus on his love right now. So Father, right now in Jesus' name. We receive your love. Just tell them that right now. Everybody say that. We receive your love right now in Jesus' name. Father, I just thank you that through all the pain and all the struggles and all the hurts, Lord, right now, we receive your love for us in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for loving us and not rejecting us, for dying for us on the cross so that we might know you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. And Father, for all of us that we kind of go in and out of that love and we forget about it sometimes and we allow that fear and that worry to come in. Father, help us cultivate that love. Help us build up that love inside of us or we know you and that fear and worry will have no place in our lives Lord in Jesus name Father as we have one more this one last week to to just celebrate your birthday celebrate your coming your incarnation Lord you becoming flesh Help us realize how much you love us and how much you love others, Lord, in Jesus' name. That we will realize that and walk in it, Lord, even greater ways. And as we go into 2022, that we will never leave that love in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, and we love you. Thank you, Father, for your word, your word, your faithfulness. We worship you, Lord. 
We thank you, Father. So right now, Father, just shout, shower us with your love. Shower us with your love right now. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We receive your love right now. Some of you just need to really just, just allow the Lord to love on you. He's not mad at you. Love is your only hope. God's love is your only hope right now. Everything will bow down when the love of God comes into your life. Everything will have to bow down. Fear, worry, sin has to bow down to that love. That love is the transformation power in your life. It was the only thing that's going to transform you into who God is and how God has made you is allow the love of God to come in. It's not by God pointing his finger at you and getting angry at you or you getting angry at yourself. The only way transformation will happen is by you receiving the love of God. Then transformation can happen. Then things can change in your life and in, in the lives around you because you are being changed by that love. So, Father, we thank you, and we allow you right now to change us, to make us new in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, for that. With no one looking around, everyone's eyes closed. If you've never received the love of God, you've never allowed him to come in to save you, to forgive you, you know you need something more. You know there's something that's drawing you, and that's God. That's him. That's Jesus. He's knocking at the door of your heart and saying, just let me in. Won't you let him in this morning? You have to make that decision to give your life to him. He can't force you. He won't. Love doesn't force. Love gives you the opportunity to say yes or to say no. And he's saying, say yes to me today. And if you want to do that, I'm going to pray a prayer. And you repeat this prayer after me. You're going to say yes to Jesus. You're going to say, yes, I need your love. And I want to encourage you to do that right now. Pray this prayer after me. Let's do this. Say, Father God, I receive your love for me. I receive your forgiveness right now. I know I've done wrong things. I know I've not pleased you and not lived the life that you wanted me to live. And I thank you that you didn't reject me. But you came to me. You knocked on the door of my heart. And right now I'm letting you in. And I'm giving you my life. So today I make you, Jesus, the Lord of my life. I give you everything and I receive your love for me right now in Jesus' name. And from this day forward, I will serve you in Jesus' name. Amen.